So I think this is the theme of Voyager's sixth season, but Haunting of Deck 12 is such a fucking missed opportunity. I, to me, the thought of Neelix is telling a spooky ghost story to the Borg children is something that they could have a lot of fun with, and they just do the most workmanlike, boring, dull take on this theme in a way that makes no sense whatsoever. And I, it's it pissed me off a bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with you, although I think this is going to be an ashes to ashes moment where I vehemently hate an episode. Yeah. And just kind of like, yeah, I guess. Because I don't find this episode that bad. I mean, maybe it's just because I moved a few days ago and I watched this in kind of a, a stupefied haze yeah. um, after unpacking some boxes. But... I think that it was like you're right, like it's workmanlike. I don't think they do anything particularly interesting with the concept of Neelix is telling a ghost story to some children. And it does really seem to be I think the most workmanlike aspect of it to me is that essentially what we have is an a a standard Voyager A plot interspersed with some a framing device of Neelix telling a ghost story to some children. Yeah. Like do, do you know what I mean? Like there's no there's no real attempt made to uh, uh, indicate that these scenes that we are seeing of the story itself are in any way different from Neelix's perspective. None of the characters act any differently. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's, is that is that what you mean by having fun with it? That was the opportunity for ne- for Neelix to like something something scary and dangerous is going to happen, and so Neelix is going to you know do and, and then the ship was attacked by a fluffy bunny or something like that no neelix what really happened okay well all of these monsters started coming out. like that kind of a thing they could have done with it they could have had characters acting very different i mean they call him out on minor things like that but they don't do anything interesting i really like the concept of unreliable narrators um and i've read and seen a lot of works which do some really interesting things with it and so when you have a show which all they do with it is, oh, I was telling a story, just kidding, or was I, you'll never know, and where, frankly, we are given no teases that, what again, what really happened is anything different, uh, it just feels very much a letdown to me. And Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I think that, you know, for me, what it comes down to is... Do I find the story that Neelix is telling engaging? And I do. I mean, yeah, like I think yeah. that is this is this the most revelatory experience of all time? No, of course not. We're talking about an episode of Star Trek Voyager. But it is the case that it's it's okay. And I I mean, I guess I I'll just don't I mean I, I yeah, like I don't have that much of a problem with it. I mean well, I Well, I, I guess my problem with it is I feel like telling this story as a ghost story in a way undermines some of the main Star Trekky themes of it, which is that this is a creature that gets lost, that is not dangerous. This is a Horta, basically. It's something that is, right. you know, attacking just out of fear and desperation. And when they figure out how to communicate with it, they're able to work together to a solution that's happy for everybody. I mean, that's. That's as Star Trekky of a theme as you can get. And frankly, this is a theme that Neelix 
should be imparting to the Borg children, frankly. Uh, it's one that they would understand probably very well. You know, when you were uh, in trouble on your Borg cube, the Federation came in and helped you because that's what you do. You see a stranger, you have the ability to help them. You know, you help them. And here's another example of that. We have an alien creature who is just trying to find its way home and we're trying to help them get home. And we're hoping that we'll find the same help from other people. Like telling this as, well, this this weird alien creature. I mean, it just it undermines that. Yeah, I mean, I think to some degree and certainly I don't know, because I, I, I think that there's. I'm of two minds about that because I think on the one hand, yes, you're right. Like Neelix is a character that is obviously outside of of the Federation and Starfleet. He is someone who has, you know, grown up in a very different environment, but has really, I think, at this point in in the series, we can say that Neelix has become a convert yeah. to to the Federation belief system, right? And 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 so I think that having Neelix impart that federation belief system to these new additions to starfleet and the voyager crew would make sense on the other hand i think that at this point in star trek we are talking about the uh fourth live action star trek series the fifth one if you count the animated series i don't know that we like the audience itself that just seems like it might be rote. I, I don't know. Yeah, if, that's I fair. Mean, this is going to be a little bit of, of, of shade maybe, but I just don't know if I believe that the Star Trek Voyager writing staff has it in them to put an interesting spin on a standard Star Trek story at this point. And that's fair to say. And in a way, I think this is their attempt at an interesting spin on a standard Star Trek story um, because of the method of telling it. I guess I get this is a point I keep coming to. I like the, I like the idea, but they just didn't do the execution far enough. I mean that that's been the problem with Voyager lately is that it's playing it too safe and it's not there are so many times where if the, if it had taken a bit more of a risk it would be a more interesting show. It's not trying hard enough to fail and thereby it's just like right now, it's not even bad. It's just very mediocre. Yeah, I at mean, least I certainly think part part. At least season seven of Next Generation was bad. Do you know what I mean? Like we 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 don't have anything that's as bad as Devolution yet or Masks, and in a way, that's kind of a shame. Yeah, I, th- I think that's true. Actually, well, we'll we'll, we'll see what happens in the, yeah, of in the seventh and last season of Star Trek Voyager starting uh, in, in two weeks. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I agree with you. I think that that in some respects, this is Voyager's attempt to to tell us, uh, you know, put a spin on a standard Star Trek story. Because yeah, like if this had just been a regular episode of Star Trek Voyager where we followed the adventures yeah. of the crew as they tried to figure out what was going on, that would have been pretty uninteresting. And I think that. Okay, they're they're really patting themselves on the back and they're saying, "Oh, we put this different spin on it, right? We are going to jump forward in time. We are going to to look back retrospectively at um what has gotten Voyager to this point of having to turn off main power for 3 hours. And and how we're going to do that is we are going to have our new additions to to Voyager, the Borg children, gather in the cargo bay, and Neelix is going to tell them a ghost story around a lantern with some snacks. And I think that they thought that's a really interesting idea. That's a good spin on it. It's going to tell a little bit of a different story in a different way. And I 
guess what it comes down to is, do you think that's enough? And I guess I think that's enough because I don't know that I expect more out of Voyager. And maybe that's just me having tempered my expectations yeah. at this point. I mean, we are talking about a series that is at the end of its sixth season. This is, you know, I, I think this is what the 154th episode of Star sure. Trek Voyager or something like that. If my quick math in my head works out. And so I just don't know if, I mean, this is the show. Yeah. This is yeah. What yeah. It is. And, and I, it's, well, it's gone. I mean, what I, what I, well, what I hear from you is, uh, a, a really, I think. I think what's interesting about our Star Trek Voyager podcast is that we have been covering this show for a long time now. I mean, we've been doing this for for about a year and change, and we are getting to the yeah. end. And yeah, you know, now that we've moved to a biweekly schedule, of course, it's going to be a little bit more extended than it otherwise would have been. But and also, we had Star Trek Discovery in there, so it's you know, it's been a little bit longer than say Deep Space Nine. But what I what I think is so fascinating about this, and I think that. You know, a lot of our Star Trek Voyager episodes end up with us interrogating the idea of Star Trek Voyager because, frankly, a lot of the episodes don't have that much meat to talk about. But but what I find so interesting at this point in the show is that you still seem to want more from this show. And it's it's a it's a it's a nice little bit of I optimism know. optimism on your part that you think you're going to get more from this show. And I, you're just not going to. Well, because it's re- I can't. Partially due to the way that I have watched all of these, but I guess I don't view these as individual shows in a way, right? Like, I view, uh, I am watching Star Trek. I'm not watching Star Trek Voyager in a way. And so to me, this is the, the degree, this is the kind of thing of seeing someone you loved who was doing really fucking great things who's just in a slump and you're just sad about it and a little angry at them and just disappointed and, like, you're better than this, Star Trek. And it's frustrating in a way. And, again, I think interrogating the existence of Voyager is a good way to put it because... I guess the show is just an entertainment show right now, which is not a bad thing. I love watching shows where you can just sit back and watch. Right now I'm upset because we're at one of those points where, like, there is nothing to watch on Netflix or Hulu or anything. It's a drought. And, again, I just don't have an entertainment show. But And, again, partially due to the way we're watching this, but it's very hard for me to watch Voyager as an entertainment show. And it's not a getting something out of it show like DS9 was. So I don't know. That's it. Like I, I'm – the show feels like it's wasting my time a lot when it's doing things like this. Like you've, d- yeah, you've done mean, better. Like- you've been more entertaining and now you're teaching me nothing and you're not making me laugh. So why are we doing this? Yeah, it's like it's time. It's time to break up with Star Trek Voyager, I guess. I mean, <laughs> that, no, yeah, that's, I, yeah. If we, it, it, I, I am very glad this did not last for ten seasons because I was beginning to get this feeling with the X Files, and the bad part about the X Files is we were feeling that in season six, and there are four or five more seasons left, and yeah, yeah, the passion has run out. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that that it's arguable that the the passion was ever there on the part of the writing staff yeah, yeah. of Star Trek Voyager, but I I I hear you and I agree with you. And I think <laughs> that what's what's interesting about Star Trek Voyager is that it 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 comes at a good place for us because it affords us an opportunity to go back and interrogate the idea of Star Trek and is is Star Trek Voyager a good show? Is it not a good show? I mean, I think at this point we have we have formed some opinions about that, um, and I think we have been, I think we've tried to to be fair to Voyager. I don't think that we're criticizing it unnecessarily. Um, it's just not as good a show as we have come to expect from from the Star Trek brand name, uh, and I I think that that but but I don't think that the writing staff would disagree agree with you and i think that's what the interesting part of yeah. this is like i have seen brian and Braga at conventions he has said yeah we were tired like and you know and, and and so you know that's now why of, didn't he just quit and go do something else i don't know the answer to that i mean you know no no I, and I, I think that i mean i've read plenty of things where people even say like yeah we kept the it going because you know we have a crew of people who we are gonna have to all fire like that that alone is a good reason to keep a show going yeah, of course. But I think when you get to an episode like The Haunting of Deck 12, yeah. where it's like, it's it's okay. Like, that's the thing about The Haunting of Deck 12, right? Like, we have seen much worse episodes of Star Trek Voyager. And and I think that, that what we keep coming back to with Voyager is that it's just not that bad. Like, individual episodes are just not bad. They're not incompetently done. Yeah. The, the plotting is fine. Like, they know what they're doing. I think you said at the very beginning of this conversation, workmanlike. And I think that that's a perfect, that's a perfect word to use for 90% of Star Trek Voyager. Now, I do think that what's interesting about The Haunting of Dark 12, though, is its placement in the season, because, of course, it is the second to last yeah. episode of, of season six. And I think Unimatrix Zero is a much better episode of Star Trek Voyager, agree. a much better episode of Star Trek, and a much more interesting and vibrant episode of Star Trek with something to say, which makes The Haunting of Deck 12 just kind of, you know, this is the episode that they made before they were going into their like slam bang season finale. Yeah, I think that's a way to, that's a fair way to put it. Uh, Unimatrix Zero, which I think we're itching to talk about quickly, um, has a lot behind it, which does make it more of a more important and, frankly, from a production level, more interesting episode. You're right. Maybe this episode did start off as someone just wrote a bog standard. All right, here's an interesting alien. All right, we got to put a something to that because we can't make that again it's it that's too boring even so yeah neelix hasn't had an episode in a while so he's working with the borg children you know you you can see kind of how that came by as the way to punch up a standard story yeah and i think if you look at it actually if you look at it at that in that way it it makes me a feel a little bit more charitable towards the haunting of deck 12 because they could have just given us the bog standard Star Trek story. And at least they did try to twist it a little bit. Well, I think that, that we've probably said all we can say about the haunting of deck 12, because the actual plot of the episode, I have no interest in talking about whatsoever because it's just yeah. a Star Trek story. We have talked about that type of Star Trek story so many times on the podcast. Uh, I will say one thing about this episode, though, which I found extraordinarily strange, is that 
uh, at some point, Neelix, uh, someone tells Neelix, I forget who it is. They say you should ask the captain for permission to uh, replicate curtains for your quarters. And didn't he basically wake up in the middle of the night in that episode night from the first episode of the <laughs> fifth season and basically say that exact thing and he just didn't do it i guess yeah like is this supposed to be a running gag that like neelix has this one problem and he just never solves it and is that supposed to be a character note oh he's busy solving everybody else's problems he doesn't self-care like i don't know if they had it, it seems like the seed of a larger character note. Yeah, it either it's either the seed of a larger character note or it's just lazy. Yeah. I don't know well, which one it is. Well, I mean, this episode... That's the essential question of Star Trek Voyager. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode does take Neelix's fear of the dark from, well, I'll, my entire family was killed and... Then when I myself had a near-death experience, I realized I, I, that all of the religion I had been taught was a lie, and I don't know the whereabouts of my beloved sister's soul, and that's why I am terrified of nothingness. They, they retconned that as just, well, I was in a nebula, and it was scary. So, you know, that's a thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, there, there's not a ton to say about the whole like other side plot of there was a Talaxian ship that was famous because everyone suffocated to death, and you're like, all right, I mean, whatever. Uh, Neelix is just they're trying to give Neelix something to do. Is it successful? I guess. Uh, let's move on to Unimatrix Zero. But before we do that, I do want to take an opportunity to remind all of you listening to this that this podcast is supported by you. Yes, you listening to this. So please go to patreon.com slash truckaboutshow and give now. So I think Unimatrix Zero is one of the best Borg episodes that Voyager has made. I, I think I can agree with this. I mean, this is... So this is a Brandon Bragg and Joe Minoski joint, and you can get that. I mean, it's very clear that they know this is their last season to finale two-parter. And this is probably their last big Borg story they're going to tell. Maybe there's going to be one more in the seventh season, but Bragg is moving on to Enterprise where there aren't going to be no Borg. So, yeah, this does feel like a... A very climactic moment for the series. It it does in a way, right? I mean, this is Brandon. Like you said, this is Brandon Braga's big Star Trek Voyager send off. Yeah. I I don't recall if he worked at all on part two of this. I, I guess we'll find out in a couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like Brandon Braga is going on to to Star Trek Enterprise. He is going to spend the next year developing that series with uh, Rick Berman. And um, uh, Kenneth Biller is going to be elevated as showrunner next season. So, yeah, in a way, this is Brandon Braga putting his last stamp on the Borg because, of course, Brandon Braga has had a long history with the Borg. You know, most famously, he co-wrote Star Trek First Contact with Ronald D. Moore. So he understands the Borg, and I think Joe Minoski understands the Borg as well. If I recall correctly, he wrote I Borg. So mm-hmm. these it, it, it feels like a logical culmination of a lot of ways that Star Trek has been developing the Borg over the years, starting in yeah. Q-Who, which introduced them as this almost sort of insectoid hive mind race that that really just wanted to consume everything 
to slowly unveiling the layers of the Borg. And now we get to a point where we basically essentially have sort of a Jungian collective unconscious where the Borg are stripped of their Borgness and are able to live out somewhat normal lives as the individuals who their lives were stolen from them by the Borg. And it's both poignant and very, very affecting i think in in a way yeah. which i did not expect from a borg episode yeah i mean th- th- this episode does i think they don't really have t- that much time to explore unimatrix zero it's not like we have extended things where oh, and this is where we all hang out and this is the society we've built and stuff they really do need a couple of they really do only have a couple of broad strokes but i think they do a good job of making it clear that this needs to be protected. This is why this needs to be protected, and because they have to sell the stakes that the that the this one little ship is going to risk everything for it. Yeah, because this is once again. I mean, in a certain sense, this is we have seen this before, right? Yeah. Like this is once again the Federation and Starfleet coming up with a last ditch attempt to introduce some sort of individuality to the Borg, and yeah. you know, it it mostly failed with Hugh and I Borg because we got sort of the the weird super villainous lore slash Borg stuff in Descent, which was terrible. Um, but this time, they seem to be getting at the core of it in a better way which is that i think the mistake in descent was the borg were individuals but they retained no semblance of who they were pre-borgness right they were just individual borg whereas this episode is very much positing and i think seven of nine's development over the past three seasons has posited that it is possible for the Borg, once they are stripped free of the collective, and even the Borg children that have been introduced, Echeb and all the rest, Maritza, are, are are really changing that to once you once you detach the Borg from the collective mind, their individuality and yeah. who they were previous to being assimilated is going to slowly come back, which is a more interesting way to look at it, I think. Yeah, more of a cult... (laughs) In a way, it's more of a cultural or sociological response to simply hearing the voices of everybody else. This is how you become. This is what you do. This is how that... You're, in a way, drowned out by all of that. And once that's taken away, and again, some... Many of the Borg find it extremely uncomfortable. It's... We see it. We see disconnection from the collective as a form of torture in this episode uh so i mean we we are constantly told how terrifying it is to just be quiet after all of that constant hum and uh, i think that's yeah that's a more interesting version of it i just want to say i until now i had actually completely forgotten that descent existed um and I like that. I don't think that anyone would uh, uh, fault you for that. <laughs> well, it's very clear by the way that Voyager has taken the Borg that they're trying to pretend it didn't exist either, and frankly, doing a very good job of it because it ignores all of those aspects. As you said, it's they're, they're just robot people when they have individuality and descent. Right, exactly. And I, I think this is a much more interesting way to go. I think that Seven of Nine, in, in, in a strange way, is, is probably one of the best things that, that Star Trek yeah. Voyager ever did. Or maybe that's not strange. I don't know. I mean, I, I... No, I think she was a very interesting character. It's a very interesting character concept. It's one which 
uh, has a lot of, frankly, dramatic interest, a lot of philosophical interest, a lot of thematic interest. They Seven of Nine was a character like the Doctor who has a lot baked into there that they were able that they I get, I will give Voyager its credit. They were able to extract a lot from characters like those. Again, the problem yeah. with char- characters like Harry Kim is there's nothing there to pull from and they keep trying and they just keep coming up with nothing. Every time they the reason it does become the Janeway Doctor Seven of Nine show is because they both from the character concept and the performances every time they dip in they do draw something out i want to go back to that but but let's talk briefly about harry kim because he he does get a moment to shine in this episode and i actually think that this is one of the things that i i appreciate about unimatrix zero is that it ratchets up its tension very well this is a very well constructed episode and a very well plotted episode you know the stakes are very clear very early on and they just keep elevating you know to the very end when tuvok janeway and Bellana are assimilated by the pork uh so it starts out with uh uh, the Borg queen you know seven is dreaming of someone calling her annika and then we break to the bridge and we get this nice little moment where everyone is being really mean to Tom Paris. And I, 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 I say really nice moment because I like it when people are mean yeah. to Tom Paris because I don't like Tom Paris. Of course, they're kidding. He got his pip back. He's now a lieutenant after the events of 30 days. And that's that's a really I mean, what is so interesting yeah. about Voyager in the past few in the past few episodes is how insistent on developing continuity they are i mean the borg children have have appeared in multiple episodes they're calling back to something that happened like two seasons ago it's it's interesting and then what they do is even further interesting because they call attention to the fact that harry kim is still an ensign by having (laughs) him make this joke about there's no box on his chair and no one says anything. Everyone just basically ignores him, which is probably what they should do with Harry Kim. Which is why he doesn't just, have an it, extra pip. Yeah, because they just do their best to ignore him and they forget he exists. Yeah, because I, I just find it <laughs> very weird, right? Like, that's very, very strange. Yeah, no, multiple characters have got... And let's... Harry Kim has been on enough away missions and is enough of a bridge officer that, yeah, you would think that he would have gotten his bump up at this point it's not like it's anything more than it's not like his duties are going to change that much no you're right like not really it's, but, but it's, it's just kind of just as just as a gesture even to him of of everything he's done and and you know the other thing that i think is so simultaneously interesting and frustrating about unimatrix zero is that it does the thing that Voyager doesn't do very well, which is that it gives an opportunity for all of the characters yeah. to have a moment without them resorting to their cliches. Like, Bellana is not irrationally angry in this episode. Chakotay is not just really gregarious and nice in this episode. It, it's, you know, that's the yeah. engineering where they're all there. The Doctor's there. Neelix is there. Bellana's there. They're all just kind of there doing their own thing, and you 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 really do get a sense in that scene and a lot in in a lot of this episode that th- this is a family. You know, Voyager has always tried to sell the idea of the Star Trek Voyager of the Voyager crew as a family, yeah. and I think it's a lot of telling and not showing. But in this episode, I think it succeeds very well. Well, I think it's because the. I mean, they they manage that in two angles. Number one, by 
they are doing everything for a seven of nine side quest. Like this is a group all, you know, this is a group of people who are all working towards the same goal and they all have, it's the kind of plot where everybody has a specialty that they're able to apply to this and we're working. They're only able to do this because every single one of them is working together. And yeah, that really does sell it as a unit. That was something that Next Generation did all of the time. And that, Voyager does sometimes and episodes like that show that it can be good at it when it wants to. Yeah, because I think that, that you know, you, you mentioned earlier, you know, Voyager is at its best when it's the Dr. Janeway and Seven show. And I, I, I think that's true, fortunately or not. But I also think that this episode shows that it, that it yeah. could have been very different. You know, Bellana goes on an away mission in this episode. I mean, when was the last time Bellana went on an away mission that we saw? Yeah. Uh, you know, she's given an opportunity to show her devotion to Janeway and to the safety of Voyager by insisting that she go on this away mission and by Chakotay backing her up. And what is so interesting about that scene as well is that Chakotay and Janeway, once again, the show remembers that Chakotay and Janeway often come to loggerheads, right? Like this is something the show often doesn't remember. And this episode remembers that. And, and not only that, but Janeway listens to Chakotay. Yeah. It's a a development in that she, in a way is, begging him to convince her to do this at the, by the end of it. I mean, when she's saying, like, yeah, I almost talked myself out of it, I'm sure she just about had. Now, I, I want to talk about Seven and Unimatrix Zero and the Borg and all of that stuff and the Borg Queen, but I, this this part of the conversation is making me think of a kind of, I, I don't know if this is a fair question to ask or not, but I'll ask it anyway. Do you think that Unimatrix Zero is as good as we're making it out to be? Or do you think that we just feel a little bit of relief that the show is doing the bare minimum? It's a lot better to talk about than it was to watch. I think it's a... I think we have the idea (laughs) I feel like this is... We're we're talking about something that we saw as kids, you know? And then you watch it as an adult and it's not as competently done but in your mind you've put your creative brain to it and filled in some gaps and I don't know maybe that's unfair to the episode it is a very good episode but it's I mean it's not best of both worlds it's not Dark Frontier Uh, I think Dark Frontier is some of the best of the the best non-Borg children Borg stuff Hmm. Okay. I mean, I, I think it's hard to judge Unimatrix, yeah. here, of course, because we haven't seen the resolution. And of course, most Star Trek two-parters, the resolution is weaker than the first part because that's yeah, yeah. just the nature of writing two-parters. But yeah, I, I mean, I can I can see that, certainly. I mean, I think that Unimatrix Zero is a really good episode. I just wonder, and I, and I, you know, and I don't agree that we are being... Um, too optimistic about it and talking about it. I think that this, that this episode in particular is doing some really strong work that I just think the show should have been doing more of over the years. Yeah. And I mean, we, the fact that we are responding so strongly to all of the character work that this episode is doing is an indication that this show could have and should have been doing more of this. Yeah. Again, the version of the show that's 15 episodes a season and has Harry Kim and maybe Tom Paris and as minor characters uh, is the much better show. And... 
Or a version of Star Trek Voyager that had Tom Paris and Harry Kim dying on a way mission in episode three. Oh, that would have been – oh, my God. And then then instead Ashes to Ashes takes place from the woman's perspective and Harry Kim is the one who's coming back. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> – But it, I, I, I don't know because I, you know it is true. We are talking about some salient points of the episode. The episode is p- specifically doing – a bunch of these callbacks and tracing this. This is an episode that has paid attention to all of the conversations between Janeway and Chakotay and has – and again, that 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 is an arc which has been very well done where each time they have a conversation, it takes into account what has happened earlier. I mean that's almost next generation level stuff. Yeah. Well, let's talk about Unimatrix Zero then, because I think that that's really, you know, I mean, everything we've been talking about, I think, is the meat of the episode for us. But obviously, the Borg and Unimatrix Zero and the Borg Queen and Seven and Annika and all of this stuff is, I think, that the meat of the episode as far as the episode itself is concerned. And I I think, I mean, this is a really intriguing idea for me that, that there is sort of a, I mean, of course, I, I think it could have been a little bit stronger because they, they do really techno babble it, I think, unnecessarily, right? I mean, they talk about there's a mutation and the Borg have this thing and da, 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 and there's, you know, it's linked to their nodes and yeah you know i mean it's just kind of like it's not necessary like i think that that's the one failing of the episode which it does that voyager thing where it wants to techno babble something that really doesn't need to be techno babbled you know it would have been enough to say there's a certain subset of borg that whenever they go into their regeneration cycle for whatever reason they're they're still linked to the hive mind and they are able to experience themselves as individuals before they were assimilated this is a wonderful thing right like i I think it would have been enough to do that but the episode wants to techno babble it okay fine yeah well uh, this is see i i i wonder if that is connected to the virus that they're trying to put in which is i guess i've maybe this is uh, a, a maybe this is only a tangent to your point but it seems like figure out the boy virus that is going to fix the borg has is generally the plan that they come to figure out which in a way makes sense they don't know how to they they can't beat the borg in firepower so they have to change the nature of the borg in a way and that was kind of one of the plans that uh fucking section uh 31 tried to do with the uh with the with with the the, the changelings but um I- well not not only that but but that is an idea that has been percolating throughout the Borg for yeah. many years. I mean that that was the idea in Iborg. Yes. That was the idea in Collective when the Borg children were introduced. Like there the the virus yeah. idea with the Borg has always been something that has been out there. And and s- I mean yeah. I'll be clear, I don't think the nanovirus in this episode makes any sense whatsoever because how do you send a nanovirus through a communications device? But whatever, we'll just leave that aside. Um I guess it well, I guess where I think this could be going with that is I mean maybe the way the way to f- the, all of the viruses they've done have been ways to destroy the Borg or to save all the Borg, and now they're trying to finally figure out a virus that is just going to give the Borg individuality. And because again They're be- trying to save the Borg. Yeah, that that becomes that is the one Star Trek ans the Star Trekiest answer to that. It's not a way that's going to destroy them. It's you know, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable having to suddenly deal with individuality, but 
you know, the Federation will figure it out then and things will just kind of come naturally and these people will help others. And I like that. I like that as the solution to finally try and defeat the Borg. Will it work? I don't know. Probably not. Yeah, I mean, and what's more, I think, is we'll probably never know the answer, of course, because this is the second to last season of Star Trek Voyager, and this is the second to last season of 24th century Star Trek in general, right? I mean, unless the Picard miniseries is all about Picard battling the Borg, which I find hard to believe. But yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think that... It, it makes sense in a, in a sort of Star Trek way, as you say, because Janeway really wants to, uh, you know, the, the key moment for me in the episode is when the one Borg who has the semi-romantic relationship with Annika, Seven of Nine, you know, says, are, are, do, you know, do you want a, a civil war? And, and Janeway says, no, I, I want this to be a resistance. You know, she really wants this to be sort of an idea of internal yeah. resistance and internal sort of, of, of idea of battling the Borg internally on their own terms. And this is going to be an, and this, what's interesting to me about this is that this is really going to be something that is going to have to really be a long-term plan. You know, this is not a, this is not a quick fix for the Borg. And what's more interesting to me about this as well is that outside of, or, or different from the individuality virus quote-unquote that was the idea behind putting Hugh back into the collective and I Borg which didn't really work because it gave us dissent is (laughs) the idea that this is really giving the power back to the people that were assimilated by the Borg you know the Borg boiled down to to their their basest elements are essentially a group of terrorists who kidnap people and brainwash them and this is unbrainwashing them and giving them power back to fight back in the only way that they can. But it's giving the people that have been assimilated the power to fight back, which I think is is is, is a much better way to do it, frankly. Yeah, the people in Unimatrix Zero already have the drive and maybe even some plans going together, but they can't remember them in the waking world. That's the only reason they aren't able to implement anything. And waking them up and allowing them to carry the memories over at as their as the virus is intended to do is the th- and again I think they they acknowledge that this is a very long road all of them say yeah we're all going to be probably we're most of us the only person on our ship who has this and we're all thousands of light years away from each other it's going to be a very slow process they're each going to have to start figuring out ways of converting other drones on their own ship one by one but and the federation really can't help with that part that that isn't uh anything they have the resources or ability to do it has to be the yeah because they yeah because they make it very clear that these borg are scattered all throughout the galaxy yeah i mean one or two of them might be on this, you know, one might be on one ship, one might be on another ship. I mean, they're really going to be scattered all around the the, the galaxy. And they do say that they don't even really know how many um, have the ability to go to Unimatrix Zero, right? I mean, the the idea behind the Borg, of course, there are probably billions and billions and billions, hundreds of billions of Borg, right? Just scattered throughout the galaxy. And uh, we're talking about a group of tens of thousands, maybe maybe a hundred thousand, and so in raw numbers, the deck is really stacked against them. And the Federation can help them by dint of the fact that 
you know, Voyager, I mean, Voyager, I guess at this point does have some communication with the Alpha Quadrant, so they could let yeah. them know what's going on. But what but, can but they how do? Is the Federation logistically, yeah, what are they going to, what could they do? What, what could the Federation logistically do to help them? Not much, really. Yeah, I mean, they, they can provide maybe support in an individual case or not if, if one of these individuals happens to be in the Alpha Quadrant. But even so, this is business that's happening on the ship itself. They don't – this is supposed to be a clandestine operation. They don't – the Federation helping is going to call attention to it. They need – this needs to happen from within and slowly. Yeah, yeah. Well – I guess we need to talk about the Borg Queen. Uh, I think my problems with the Borg Queen are, are well established. And if you yeah. want to go back and listen to that, please do. First Contact is probably the best place of any to, to find out exactly what my problems with the Borg Queen are. Uh, but I guess I don't have as much of a problem with the Borg Queen and Unimatrix Zero because maybe I've just been worn down or endured to the idea of the Borg Queen. I mean, like, I still think the Borg Queen is dumb, and I think it's a dumb concept, and I think it's a dumb idea, but it's a dumb idea that the franchise has been consistent on, and so I guess this is just what we have. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a dumb idea done well. The imagery is creepy and disturbing, the performance is very good. To give a face to the Borg that one can hate as the villain, maybe it's an obvious choice. Maybe it's also very difficult to just create a faction with no leader and just from a dramatic storytelling point of view, maybe maybe Voyager really just wasn't up to doing that. And so even though this may be a step back, they go for it. Like I do yeah, like yeah, watching I, yeah. more Queen scenes when I don't think about the implications of it and – you know, I really, really like her and Janeway facing off at each other. Yeah, I guess that's really what it comes down to, right? Is that like this is a continuation of a very, very personal feud that started in Dark Frontier. That 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 the Borg Queen really wanted Seven of Nine back, and Janeway really did not want to give the Borg Queen Seven of Nine back, yeah. and so. You know, Janeway got Seven of Nine back. The Borg Queen now has some sort of a very personal vendetta against Janeway. I mean, I think you see that when the Borg... I mean, it, it is fantastically done, right? I mean, like, it's a dumb idea done well, as you say, because the, the, the Borg Queen just, you know, spits out Janeway, you know? Yeah! Her, <laughs> Unimatrix Zero, and, 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 you know, she's going after her, and she she calls her and is is trying to make a deal with her, essentially, to, to give them transwarp technology in exchange yeah. for leaving Unimatrix Zero the fuck alone. And then she, like, threatens Harry Kim, and Harry Kim basically just has a, whoa, <laughs> like, why did she do that, you know? And the answer is no one really knows because no one cares about Harry Kim. But, yeah, it is. it is. It's a dumb idea done well, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, just, again, that scene with the two of them, and they're tr- pretending to be pleasant to each other, and it's... You know, it's one of those scenes, maybe not you know quite the level of Wrath of Khan, but where you have two people who are just not even in the same fucking room, and just the tension is really palpable, and it's great. I mean, just again, just in terms of scenery chewing awesomeness, I like the Borg Queen. It doesn't. Uh, maybe this is a case where I think it's done with so much panache that uh, I don't mind it. Yeah, I think that's fair. I do have a question about this, though, and I, I don't know if you remember, but 
This is something that bugged me in the episode because the Borg Queen keeps referring to herself in the first person. And is that something new? Did she do that in Dark Frontier? Did she do that in First Contact? Because I seem to recall in First Contact she very much did not do that. Uh, But I don't recall if she did that in Dark Frontier or not. But to me, that actually might be, you know, it may be something by accident, but it also could. I mean, from a Federation point of view, if they could wave a wand and do anything they wanted to with the Borg, it would be to have them all have individuality, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have... And so I think it's funny that you have a – the Borg are evolving from we are this faceless, everything is the same to Hugh has the individuality virus to suddenly there's a Borg queen to suddenly the Borg queen is referring to herself as I to – I mean maybe that's even a very subtle individuality is just fucking happening whether the Borg want it to or not. It is the, the will of the ego is to assert itself is such a strong force that ultimately even the Borg itself is going to incarnate an individual in itself. Yeah, I think that's a yeah, that's good, because what it makes me think of is 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 flooding, right? Like you you build on a floodplain, you try and keep the water out as much as you can, but it's always going to find a way or yeah. battling against nature and the Borg are battling against nature, that the Borg are not a natural phenomenon. And I think it's easy to forget that, you know, they are an artificial construct and they are taking people from species that have evolved to, I mean, not everyone, of course, because like they, they, they do uh, assimilate members of telepathic species, but, but even telepathy in Star Trek, like Vulcans and Betazoids and and those kind of races do have individuality. We are not talking about a hive mind. And so they are always fighting against the nature of who they are. And so I think that's a lot of the idea behind, you know, putting all of these various things in their brains and things like this to really tamp down that idea. And some of it, of course, like you said earlier is, when you hear other people in your head, it is a very sort of like um, almost a peer pressure thing. But but the Borg are, are ultimately fighting a losing battle. Like they are always going to have issues. And I yeah. think Unimatrix Zero is a perfect example of how they are constantly having to be vigilant against individuality or else they're going. it's going to destroy them. Yeah, I mean maybe that's even part of the reason of making, a, uh, making it a mutation. It's not a glitch in the programming. It's not a glitch in the cybernetics it's not a glitch in the nanobots it's just this is going to pop up and this is how evolution works it favors mutations which uh, allow it to survive easier and that uh, the evolution of the this this might contribute to the evolution of the borg unimatrix zero might be the next step in the borg's evolution might be the thing which causes them to survive maybe the old style of borg that we see in qhu is we we are seeing that slowly evolve out of the Borg. I think that's right because, I mean, I think back to, I forget the name of the episode, but the episode where Chakotay crash lands on the planet of X-Borg and, yeah. you know, they, they still have a hive mind, but they are able to, to act as individuals. And then I also think of... Um, well, 
to me, it almost reminds me of the Herosian ending in uh, the one where they were in the French Resistance. Um, oh, right, yeah. Which is the Herosian, the, the head Herosian is basically saying, listen, this is, our life is we hunt and we hunt things and we kill things and eventually we're going to run out of stuff to hunt and we can't live this way. We need to figure out a better way in order to survive. I mean, the... The, the the Borg are eventually going to assimilate everything and then there's going to be nothing left to assimilate and they need to find a better way of going about their business because their business is unsustainable. Yeah, yeah. I think that's a good point. All right. Well, I think we could talk more about Unimatrix Zero, but I, I think we'll leave it there for now because we do have part two to deal with in a couple of weeks. Uh, I do want to say one other thing, which is just that um, how great is it to see Janeway kick some ass with a bat lift? I mean, oh, uh, yeah. It's, you just can't you can't beat that really oh so i would like to by the way say my theory is that i assume they allowed themselves to be assimilated at the end that seems to be suggesting i think it's part of yeah the that yeah no no one no one on the bridge like jaco didn't seem really yeah like they're that. they're you know the doctor saying all right no change in life signs and he's you know seems worried about that and then the second he says all right degrading all right we are out of here so you know but again if that's the case that's a thing that i like i i never not delight in Janeway, you know, is pretending and bluffing. I like that. Oh, she's, yeah, she's, I think Janeway is the best at it. Yeah. Janeway's the best captain, probably outside of Kirk, then that is good at bluffing, right? Yeah. And I think she does a great job of it. And I also like the fact that the show doesn't telegraph that information. It's, it's, it's the show being really subtle in its storytelling and its plotting, which I, I appreciate. It's not like we are going to, they didn't have a scene where they were sitting around in the conference room saying, we are going to pretend to be assimilated so that we can go into Unimatrix Zero and blah, blah, blah. Like, no, you just have to pick up on it from contextual clues. Yeah. I'm excited. All right, well, I think we'll call it an episode. If you have any thoughts on Unimatrix Zero or the other episode we talked about, which is The Haunting of Deck 12, I guess, right? That's the one. Yeah, that was not good. Please go to trekaboutshow.com and leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast. You can check out our Patreon. As I said earlier, patreon.com slash trekaboutshow is where you can go to check out our reward tiers. One that you might be interested in if you are a super fan of Trekabout is the $5 a month reward tier, which gives you one extra podcast a month that we make just for our $5 a month patrons. There are almost three years worth of those. So you should go check that out because you are missing out. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Truckabout Show is our username in all those places. And as always, please leave us an Apple podcast review for Truckabout. We need new reviews. All right. All right. In two weeks, we're going to be talking about Unimatrix Zero Part 2 and Imperfection. <gasps> that sounds Borg. That sounds 7 of 90. <laughs>